one day. I'm a Gemini. <sighs> God. But we had a Friendsgiving this weekend. That was sure fun. It was so great. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Everyone made such good food. Yeah. Oh, I was not hungry for until today, honestly, like around noon. <laughs> no, yes. I'm the opposite. The more food you stuff in me, I woke <laughs> up like when Clay like was like, that was a really fun game last night. It's 6.15 this morning and my stomach was like, give me more food. Yeah. So for breakfast, <laughs> I had cinnamon rolls, donuts, <gasps> crackers. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds so good. Oh. So when you guys see me in a week and you have to roll me in a doorway, now you know why. <laughs> One big meal. I can't stop. I love it. <laughs> Oh my god! No, and that was just was Thanksgiving so round one. Yeah, I mean, at least for me, like I, I got, I'm gonna make a little pit stop at my grandma's house. Then we're going to Wes's family. Like, whew, I'm, I'm a little nervous for the scales, but it'll be all right. It'll be all right. I'll make it. We don't gotta look. We don't gotta look. No, 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 no. It'd be fine. Mm-mm. It'd be fine. Mm-mm. Welcome to Sinister Sunrise. Good morning. I'm Sarah. I'm Morgan. I'm Erin. She did the oh, numbers, we did Aaron. it. We did it this time. Ooh, Is there ooh, too much glue ooh. in your eyes? <laughs> too sticky. <laughs> yes. Too sticky. <laughs> Oi. Ugh. Well, wait. At and, this point, eh. at this point, are we wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving? Past Thanksgiving? Happy a week from Thanksgiving. We're closer to the holiday season. It's the holiday season. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my, my Christmas decorations. To- you put them up? I did. I put them up today. Not all of them. There are some. My ghetto tree is hung up. Um, Please explain yeah. what the ghetto tree is for those who can't see it. Okay, or we well, could make them see it as well. I could post. I could post. Uh, for If we don't put it up or if you just want to visualize, if you will. Uh in my dining room slash my dining room living room is kind of like all like one big room and normally we just put the tree next to the entertainment center but we're trying to consolidate our things and one section of the tree does not light so we were gonna get a new one anyway Mm. so i really wanted something so we (laughs) took christmas lights and zigzagged them up the wall and oh yeah that's my tree (laughs) It's gonna be great. It's great. It looks so big. It's like not, you know, my height. I it's great. I didn't I didn't step back enough. I just kind of like boop, 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 like went for it. <laughs> hey, as yeah. long as it was hung with love, I think it's still in the Christmas spirit. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. And I have yes. not Aaron, hung up my six foot Grinch picture yet, so that's coming. That Ooh. is the star atop the tree. Correct. <laughs> Aaron, will you put up Christmas de- decor in your new home? Um, yeah, actually, maybe after this or this week, um, since you make really cool things, I was going to send you a couple ideas. I know I had already talked to you about like yes. a door thing that says Merry Christmas. Um, my mom bought me like a six foot tree, so I hope it fits. Yay! I think it will. And I just have to get ornaments mm-hmm. for it and lights. I'm not going to go too crazy this year, but I'll get a couple things. I found this really cool idea off of um, mm-hmm. Crafted in St. Louis, that yes. Facebook page. 
but I think you might be able to do it anyway. So I was going to ask you just like, well, it looks like a little cute, like wine bottle with like, it says Merry Christmas, but I think I want like funnier quotes on there, like Christmas ones. And I just put lights in it and either like painted or it just looks frosted on the inside. I don't know how to do that though. So let me know. Yes. If yes. you can do that. She made one yeah. for my grandma. Yes. Yeah. But there are, <laughs> there are like, like zero Christmas things in my yeah. house right now. She made one for my grandma that said ho, ho, ho and had snowflakes on it. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I've also cute. seen a lot of things to play on WAP. There's some hoes in this house. We can play. We can play around. Yeah. Yes. I almost bought a shirt that had that mm. on there. I almost did. <gasps> I already had it for Halloween thanks to you. There's some whores in this house. Horrors. I can't say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for all the PC people, it's horrors. Horrors. We, we also did a dialed back Christmas this year. Normally, um, each room of our house is a different theme of Christmas, but mostly oh, now it's just yeah. the front couple of rooms are Christmassy in the bathroom. So I'm still going to do the hallway thing. So yay. With the lights and the snowflakes. That nice. just is Christmas to me. So, but yes, yes, I have a very special gift to you from Brooke today, and that is our game. Are you guys Ooh. ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so oh, take yeah. your cup, um, you know, drinking side down the paper, anywhere you want in the paper. Okay. Okay, take your pen and trace the cup. Okay. Oh, God. Just one time, we're good? Okay. Yep, mine's not in the middle. Yours can be or doesn't have to be. Mm, okay. 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 Everyone has their circles? Yep. Now we are going to close our eyes, spin the paper three times, (laughs) and then sign our name where we think the circle is, and the person who gets it. Okay. Like, does it have to be in the middle of it? The person who has it most in the circle wins. I was talking when I was turning, so I don't know. Oh! I, I went swear the wrong- on everything. I did not <laughs> cheat. I swear. <laughs> Let's see it. Let's see it. Heck yeah. Oh, fuck you, Aaron. I mean. <laughs> well, she wrote her last name. Dang, Morgan. Okay, so <laughs> I Aaron, I can't see yours. Oh. Ooh. Aaron okay, is so Aaron's is. And she, she also wrote Morgan her last bullseye. Name. Yeah. Way to be an overachiever. So it goes Aaron, Morgan, and then I'm (laughs) on a different country. (gasps) Sarah Island. (laughs) Yes. For Christmas, I'm buying myself an island. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we'll take pictures of them so you guys can (laughs) see. Well, I was talking when I was spinning. I I realized halfway through, I was like, I have no idea what a circle is. Let's just guess. Well, I was listening so intently to you that I was like, wait, did I spin it three times? Two, so I was just like, all right, one more for good measure. <laughs> wow, one I'm not good at stuff on. like that. <laughs> Woo, Sarah, so, you know what? I, throwback to the time one. we drew the houses. I yeah, think, uh, you also struggled with that one a little bit. If I remember correctly, there was a a window off in East Jesus when the, the house was. I mean, I'm more of an abstract <laughs> yes. painter, especially uh, when my eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I've been compared okay. to him never at times. Uh. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So what you got well, for us, Ms. Morgan? Oh, no, no, Aaron. Aaron. 
sorry, sorry, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I got excited, but yeah. Okay. I'm still on my yes. island. I can barely hear. Yes. <laughs> Love it. The case I will be talking about today was sent to me by our listener, Bree, and it hits a little close to home for us, just to let you know. Um, I will be covering the story of Timothy Kreitscher, who is considered the Heartland's most prolific serial killer and sexual predator. So trigger warning, rape and sexual assault will be mentioned during my story. So if this is something that you wish to skip, please do Talk so about now. starting <laughs> off strong. <laughs> You'll have two yes. stories after Ooh. this, so yep, here we it's go. It's holiday season. It's, oh my <laughs> You guys will yeah, bring me uh-huh. up, right? I don't uh, think so. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Kreitcher was born Timothy Wayne McBride in West Mahoney Township, Pennsylvania, to Charles McBride and Fern Yost in 1944. A year later, his father abandoned them, and Fern was left to raise her son on her own. When he was around five or six years old, Fern met Bernie Kreitcher. They later got married, and Kreitcher was legally adopted by Bernie. According to Tom Finkel's reporting for the Riverfront Times, Kreitcher described his mother as cold and unaffectionate. At the age of 10, he started to have an unhealthy obsession with his mother— Dr. Paul Gross submitted a psychological profile of Kreitcher in 1983, describing how he, quote, became shy and introverted during his adolescence and remembers fondling women in public and wearing feminine clothing, end quote. Are we just going to just blow past that? The women's clothing have at it. Yes, because I really... flag fly. Do what you want to do. The fondling... Like strangers? I'm really not sure. <laughs> he just skipped over that, did he? Probably, though. Yeah. Woo! Okay. <laughs> well, in his early teens, he started engaging in voyeurism and exhibitionism. Teacher, <clears throat> we have a question in the back. Yes. Do we need to talk about mm-hmm. it off the air or um? I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Which one? So voyeurism is when you like watch people. Like engaging uh-huh. in sexual acts and exhibitionism is when, like, you know, you you're wearing the trench coat oh. and you're naked underneath. Oh, and you I didn't know that somebody. one. I was gonna make a joke like it's when you're in yeah. fourth grade at a science fair and like, you have ten minutes to get your exhibit together. Uh, <laughs> exhibitionism. No, that's like if you if you get charged for like indecent exposure. Um, like that's what. Wow. Kind of that. I would hope be I wasn't the only one who didn't know, listeners. If you didn't know, you're welcome. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I looked it up just to make sure, but I was like, yeah, those are what I, I thought cool. they were. So, Great. <laughs> The more you know. You're welcome from Sinister Sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> By the age of 15, he had been charged with petty theft twice, and one of the charges occurred when he was just six years old after stealing oh, a bicycle. I didn't know you could be charged that young. That kind of but- sucks, though. Because now they're yeah. like putting labels on, but it's like, you're That six. does really suck. I stole a handful yeah. of pennies from my great-grandma when I was four. <gasps> I went Police. back in crying. Police! In- <laughs> okay, really quick side story. Mm-hmm. I put them in the front pocket of my overalls, and I walked out to my parents' car, and obviously I had a bulge at like four, and they're like, mm, what's that? And I guess I was like, it's grandma's pennies. <laughs> I wanted them so bad. <laughs> and they made me go inside, and I was like... Uh, take it back and she was just laughing like oh they're just panties like just keep some keep one i'm like i can't i'm a felon, <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a felon. Yeah. i didn't say that obviously i know the word yet but 
I think I said something mm-hmm. like, I'm going to jail. Oh, poor baby Sarah. <laughs> well, in this case, in this case, too, yeah. he is so young and it's, I couldn't find the whole story. I'm like, did he break into someone's house to get the bike? Was it just sitting somewhere? Do you even really know like, right what? from wrong? Like all the little, you know what I'm saying? At that, yeah. Like, like the one, when he was charged for 15, at the age yeah. of 15, yeah, he, you should know right from wrong. But six years old seems... A I little would, drastic? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the age of 18, Kreitcher worked as a cook for the Navy at Great Lakes Naval Base in North Chicago, Illinois, for 14 months, where he was later dishonorably discharged in 1963 for breaking into a Waukegan, Illinois home, raping a woman, and stabbing her with a 10-inch pair of scissors when she wouldn't cooperate. With being raped? She didn't cooperate? Get over yourself, man. (sighs) Mm -hmm. According to Carly O'Keefe, reporting for KFBS 12 News, this all happened while she was holding her (gasps) baby, too. Oh, Oh, my The woman was... Yeah, terrifying. The woman was seriously injured, but thankfully she survived. The baby was unharmed. (laughs) So... A positive, I guess. According to retired Carbondale Police Department Lieutenant uh, Paul Eccles, Kreitcher went on to rape a second woman in the Chicago area. He was convicted for rape and attempted murder and sentenced to 25 to 50 years in Joliet Prison. During this time, he had been married to 17-year-old Barbara Cause, who was pregnant with their daughter. After Kreitcher's conviction, the two went their separate ways, and Barbara's daughter, Charlotte, Never met her father. Probably. I would say that's a fair, that's a fair judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good call. According to Callie Cox's DailyEgyptian.com article, Kreitcher spent his time in prison working as an Illinois Department of Corrections EMT through the Vienna Correctional Center and earning his associate's degree from Shawnee Community College. In 1976, Kreitcher was released from prison and he moved to Carbondale, Illinois, where, as a condition of his parole, he began attending classes at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. He would later go on to receive a bachelor's in administration of justice and a minor in psychology. Great. So he's learning the ins and outs of the system that he wants to beat and no one thinks that's weird? Oh, you bet. You I hope that is. works out and he becomes an upstanding citizen and that's how your story ends. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. If only okay, that was the that's case. That's fine. <laughs> there are so many times where you think maybe, just maybe, it'll take a different turn mm-hmm. and it does not. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Rating Spoiler reviews. Alert. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was hired on as an EMT for Jackson County Ambulance Service in 1976, where he worked closely with former EMT Valerie Scott. She was interviewed by O'Keefe for the investigative TV special titled Serial Killer, The Two Lives of Timothy Kreitcher, where she described him as easygoing and compassionate, especially when caring for patients. She said she had never seen him drink much and rarely did he get angry or use profanity. Kreitcher and the other EMTs were a tight-knit group, and he hadn't raised any red flags during his time working for Jackson County. They did find out that he had previously spent time in prison, and when they questioned Kreitcher about it, he told them that when he was 18, he had been with an underage girl, and the girl's father caught them. A heated argument ensued, and it quickly turned violent. 
This, as we know, wasn't true, but Valerie and her co-workers didn't question it because Kreitscher had never given them a reason to doubt him. And also, I don't know who was hiring at that point, but I think they should have probably looked into uh-huh. his record a yeah. bit more. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. But what do Especially I know? because applications, <laughs> this is in the 1980s? Uh, yes. Oh, 1976. Yeah. They asked a lot of very personal questions on those, and ban the box was not a thing yet. They could definitely be asked... Have you been arrested? And you would say, yep. You'd say, yes. <laughs> Show up. Maybe underline it, because that was a serious arrest. Uh-huh. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, he had been working for three years as, like, an inmate EMT, but still. Like, I think you would still want to look into it. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if they and had like some kind of program, like, to help him get on his feet, if they helped him get that job. Yeah, oh, maybe. I didn't. Oh, that's true. I could see that. Because, I mean, that should have came up. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Right. I don't. We'll ugh. never know. Who's to know? Yeah. Kreitcher was seemingly living a double life, saving people by day as an EMT and committing atrocious acts at night. According to retired detective Jim Smith of the Cape <gasps> Girardeau Police Department, Kreitcher chose his victims at random. I'm sorry. What town? Cape Girardeau. <laughs> mm-hmm. A little close to home. Am I right, right, ladies? (laughs) Am I? (laughs) Ooh. Okay, cool. He sounds like a Batman villain. (laughs) Saving people by day. Murderous deeds by night. Literally. It's great. Pretty much, yeah. That could be his slogan, his tagline. Ooh. He would spot a woman in a parking lot, stalk her for weeks, and after combing the neighborhood, he would break into her home and rape her. Victims had pretty similar descriptions of their attacker. Most notably, they said the assailant was a male with a dark complexion and dark eyes who covered his face with a blue bandana. Newspapers began dubbing Kreitcher as the bandana rapist and the boogeyman in the blue bandana, but he was able to elude police and deceive his friends and coworkers <gasps> for years. Years? I thought you were okay. about to be like one month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no. Because Cape Toronto is not that big of a I city. I wish. Especially in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It is not that big. Whew. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on as well. Great. So. In 1977, Kreitcher broke into a Carbondale home and stole a 38 caliber handgun. In the summer of that same year, he was asked to be a groomsman in his coworker's wedding. He later told investigators that one of um, his friends was throwing a bachelor party, and he had decided that before he would show up, he was going to head to Cape Girardeau to assault mm. someone. As you do. Mm-hmm. He broke into the home of 58-year-old Mary Parsh, who he had been stalking, but was not expecting 27-year-old Brenda Parsh to be there as well. He raped Brenda before shooting the mother and daughter in the head with the stolen 38 caliber handgun. Less than 12 hours later, Kreitcher was getting pictures taken with the wedding party. You're both in my wedding party, and this should like maybe go without saying, but don't do that. I'm really... Duly noted. I'm I'm writing that down right now. (laughs) Yes. I know it's fine the cusp yes. of your mind, so just... And... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Valerie was at the wedding, too, and she, like, offered to take the pictures. And Valerie said he was smiling, like, nothing seemed wrong, nothing seemed amiss. In November 1977, Kreitcher abducted 21-year-old Southeast Missouri State University student Sheila Cole from her car in a Walmart parking lot. 
According to Smith, Kreicher drove Sheila to his trailer in Carbondale, where he raped her. He told her he would drop her back off at her car, but instead he drove her to the McClure exit, where he shot and killed her in a rest stop bathroom. Mm -hmm. So, like, not only are we in the wrong era for solving crimes, because just stuff wasn't up to par, Mm -hmm. but also he's Mm -hmm. bebopping around, killing one, you know, taking them one place, then killing them at another. Like, that's going to be so... Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that he doesn't really have an mm-hmm. M.O. Like, he, yeah, he really doesn't. There's not, like, one thing he does every single time. He's not choosing similar-looking women. Like, it's all a huge range. He's just yeah, at random. Like, also, like I said, he wasn't expecting the it is, one, yeah. the, one of the, the daughter, the mom, to be there. And he just mm-hmm. was like, the daughter, I'm just yeah. going to go for it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, oh, and it gets worse. Also, at this time, Kreicher was molesting 11-year-old Angela Angel Ambrose, who lived in her great-grandmother's trailer, which was located in front oh. of Kreicher's. She told KFVS 12 that when he first moved in, she actually considered him a friend because he was a, quote, saving grace from her father, end quote, who had been physically abusing her after her mother left home. Kreitscher, however, had much darker intentions. Quote, he told me he had a surprise for me. I felt no fear because he had never given me any reason not to trust him. That's when he took me in the basement, end quote. Mm -hmm. For... Two years, he molested and raped Ambrose, forcing her to perform various sex acts. He threatened to hurt her great-grandmother, and he convinced her that she would get in trouble if anyone found out what was going on. Okay. Disgusting. In May 1978... Kreicher sexually assaulted, stabbed, and strangled Virginia Lee Witt in her Marion, Illinois home. In 1979, Kreicher was arrested in Carbondale and charged with indecent liberties with the child after Ambrose's parents discovered, like, what (gasps) Kreicher was doing Mm, to their daughter. His co-workers, however, were shocked to find out that Kreicher was in jail for a sex crime. Again, they have never Mm. seen the side of him or anything. So Kreicher was actually able to convince them that he was innocent and that this was all a big misunderstanding. He claimed that the girl's mother was getting revenge on him after he dismissed her like oh, sexual stop. advances. Stop. 11-year-old? The 11-year-old. No. Aaron, if you tell me... No, oh, the mother. Okay. Whoa, sorry. Okay. I mean, still not okay. I also but jumped, like... but okay. No, so the, like, the girl's mother. So now the mother... Okay is not but he said was getting revenge and saying he was doing this stuff to her daughter did the courts believe him well it didn't matter at the time because the emts got enough money together to pay his bail and valerie in this episode like said she chipped in the most and she told o'keefe quote this is the greatest regret i have End quote. Yeah, I'd call that a bad investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You would think that being out on bail would make him want to lie low, but that was not the case. 
he went on to rape and murder 29-year-old Joyce Tharp of Paducah, Kentucky, whose nude body he dumped behind a church, and uh, 51-year-old Myrtle Roop of South Temple, Pennsylvania. He also returned to Cape Girardeau, where he raped a woman. Marcia Carter told O'Keefe that Kreitzer had broken into their um, home after stalking her younger sister. When he discovered the sister wasn't home, he decided to assault the mother So this is like his go-nuts phase. Like, he cannot keep it together. And so there's no Mm -hmm. uh, same, like, motive. Or not motive. What's that called? Method or whatever. Mm -hmm. MO. Yeah, you said 29 and 51. Whoa. And they're not in the same state. Yeah. No. This is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A he's mad just man doing whatever I think, he wants. Yeah, he's like flying blind by the seat of his pants. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. New child sex crime and public indecency charges were enacted in Jackson County, and a judge sent Kreitzer um, back to prison as a sexually dangerous person. However, he only spent 15 months in prison and was recommended for release in January 1981 by psychiatrists at Menard Correctional Center. Get this. It's crazy. I was hoping you were going to have a reason. I don't think it's a good one, but this is what they say. A psychiatric evaluation stated that Kreitzer, quote, might no longer be sexually dangerous. (laughs) However, this cannot be proven as long as he remains incarcerated, end quote. (laughs) What kind of a bullshit statement is that? So you're just going to go give him a chance to prove you wrong. I shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. The most 70s. I imagine a man just like... He's fine. We all have urges. Us brute force men. I'm literally you so... You can suck a dick. Grossed out right now. Like It's awful. It's completely terrible. Mm-hmm. Woo! Yes. He might be fine. He might not. I'll take those odds. He's been in yeah. here twice for the same thing, and we've done nothing to change that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean anything to me, because it's not me yep. that's in trouble. Fuck you. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. <sighs> all right. Turns out, surprise, surprise, he had never been rehabilitated and his release should never have happened. In his confession, Kreitzer told investigators that he imagined sexual fantasies while he was locked up. Quote, I decided when I got out, I would do whatever I fantasized about. End quote. He basically fooled the psychiatrists, the counselors, everyone. He knew what to say and how to act in order to get released. So very uh, Ed Kemper-like, if you will. Yeah, we learned how to do the tests Mm. and stuff. Yeah. Very good reference. Upon his release, he moved into a new trailer and started a job at a junior college in southeast Missouri. He assaulted and stabbed 72-year-old what? Ida White in her Milwaukee, Illinois apartment. White survived the attack, but police ended up convicting Grover Thompson, an African-American man who had been found sleeping at a post office across the street from the apartment for the crime. Grover. Why? Because he was I close in proximity? Know. Well, probably some other probably, stuff. Probably, I don't know. African American male. Let's skip over oh, it. Ba, this ba, is da, ba. And you're in. Yeah. I didn't look it up too much. Missouri. But he. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. Thompson no. died in prison before he was found to be wrongfully convicted. And he became the first person to be granted clemency by the University of Illinois Innocence Project posthumously. Uh, I mean, great, sad. but. No, he served the rest of his life in prison just for sleeping too close to a crime. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Mm-hmm. Major prayers for Grover's family. Man. Messed that's, up. Wow, that's really bad. Yeah. 
Kreitscher returned to Cape Girardeau to pay another visit to the Carter household, where once again the youngest daughter wasn't home, but 23-year-old Marsha was. She recalled trying to hit him with the phone, but he took advantage of the situation when Marsha's nephew entered the room. Kreitscher pulled a gun and aimed it at the boy, and Marsha wasn't able to fight him back. After raping her, he fled the scene. She told O'Keefe that she lived in fear for decades. End quote. I'd read the paper. Okay, there was another attack. I'd read the paper. There was another murder. End quote. Kreitscher went on to murder three more women in 1982. 57-year-old Margie Call, who was raped and strangled in her Cape Girardeau home a week after Kreitscher spotted her in a grocery store parking lot. 23-year-old SIUC student Deborah Shepard, who was also raped and strangled. And 65-year-old Mildred Wallace, who was raped oh and shot in the head God. after Kreitscher followed her home from a grocery store. Oh, my God. Are newspapers picking this up again? I mean, they're, yes. I think a lot of people were very, okay. very afraid at this point. But again, it is happening in multiple different areas. So I don't know if they were even noticing this trend. That's terrifying. Oh. It, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It was the late 70s, early 80s. I don't know if other counties other states were talking to each other at this point there didn't appear to be an end to Kreitscher's reign of terror in the midwest and he continued to assault women until he was arrested in allentown pennsylvania when police found him in his car in a shopping center parking lot holding a gun in his lap he Hmm. mm -hmm. he attempted to break out of prison but his attempted escape ultimately failed and resulted in a broken leg (laughs) break it twice Mm mm-hmm me either. <laughs> At some point, he was transferred to the Big Muddy Correctional Center in Ina, Illinois, to serve sentences for his parole violation for possessing a firearm and for violating his prior conditional release. He stopped attending counseling sessions altogether, and he no longer tried convincing anyone that he wanted to change. So he remained silent about his other crimes until 2007, when DNA evidence connected Kreitscher to the murder of Deborah Shepard. According to Lieutenant Eccles' book titled In Cold Pursuit, he interviewed Kreitscher about Shepard's murder, but um, Kreitscher denied having any involvement in it. However, the next day, Kreitscher contacted, contacted Eccles and confessed to her murder. Investigators started linking other cold cases um, to Kreitscher, but he refused to confess until investigators offered him, like, a better deal. So with the death penalty off of the table, Kreitscher confessed to murdering nine women and raping dozens more. Since his crimes spanned multiple states, he appeared in court in Missouri, Illinois, and Kentucky. He apologized to the families, but said in a taped confession, quote, I don't have big feelings of remorse or anything, because if I did, I wouldn't have done it to begin with. As much as I would like to say that I have a lot of feeling there, I don't have that part in me. That's one of the things about my situation. I wished I had those kinds of feelings, but I never have since I was little. End quote. So he's like a, a true psychopath. Yes. At least he's not lying, I guess. That's... Mm-hmm. No, it's haunting. It's still it's terrifying. Messed up. Mm-hmm. In 2008, Kreitscher was sentenced to two 40-year sentences in the Illinois Department of Corrections for the murders of Deborah Shepard and Virginia Witt. He was also sentenced to over a dozen life sentences in Missouri, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania for the murders of Mary and Brenda Parsh, Sheila Cole, Joyce Tharp, Myrtle Rupp, Margie Call, and Mildred Wallace. 
He is currently 75 years old and serving his life sentences at Pontiac Correctional Center in Pontiac, Illinois. If you are a survivor of sexual assault, you can contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673 to find local assistance in your community, or you can go to RAIN, that's R-A-I-N-N.org, for more information. And that is the story of Timothy Kreitzer. How have we never heard about this guy when we went to Southeast Missouri State? Yeah. Like, what? Mm-hmm. No, I'd never think heard that of would come up. You said close to home. I'm like, how close? Mm-hmm. Where? Yeah. Like us three or like <laughs> other <Yeah>. people? <laughs> Who's home? That's Who's what I meant. Who's home were we close to? <laughs> I knew right when I said Cape Girardeau, I think your I ears went, would <laughs> perk up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible noise just erupted mm-hmm. from me. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm glad he's actually serving time this time and admitting what he's done. Mm-hmm. But Oh, yeah. He's not. He is not going anywhere. I feel like that's such a common, like, thing of repeat offenders of that time is that they were, like, in and then they got out. And then Mm -hmm. they, like, shrieked havoc and then got finally got, like, found again. Like, what? (laughs) Well, to Mm -hmm. be fair, the prison systems weren't awesome. They still aren't at, like, rehabilitation. So I don't know how Mm -hmm. much they actually helped him. It may have been worse than they're like, and you're good. But it's just crazy that he don't do it again. Was found for all of those terrible things, mm-hmm. or some some really terrible things the first time, and they still were like, "Catch you on the flip side, brother." Like, no, the first no. time, literally fool me once, whatever. Mm-hmm. Second time, he might not do it again. Yeah, shouldn't it be a yes/no answer? Yeah. And technically, technically, when he was arrested, it was just for the uh, like molesting that poor girl. So that was all he was arrested for. And then he barely even served that sentence. So there was a whole article I'll um, add to the show notes where, like, she's talking to KF, um, VS News, like, yeah, he did. He barely served That's for insane. the charges. It's disgusting. And yeah. It is disgusting. So he can rot in jail for all I care for the rest mm. of his life. Mm-hmm. 75. Happy holidays. Keep on living. Keep on living. Mm-hmm. Piece of shit. All right. Mm-hmm. On that note, I think it's my turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Woo. Oh, I'm going to try to take us a different direction here. Hello. It's me, Morgan. <laughs> Episode 44, coming at you. <clears throat> Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, thank you, Aaron. That was very informative um <laughs> it was interesting though no, i'm really yeah, just kind of yeah, upset yeah. we've never heard about him i'm more like i'm more yeah. hurting yeah no it doesn't I'm laughing good. i'm laughing but i'm sad like <sighs> it's yeah I don't it's all messed I don't up feel. don't know how to feel all right all right all right so uh if we go back last episode uh i did haunted houses kind of picking on aaron mm-hmm. so i can't really pick on you, Sarah, since you've already been to Montana, but you inspired me. So I traveled over to Montana and I found the Moss Mansion in Billings, Montana. And I'm going to tell you about it because it's mm. haunted. All right. Okay. So the mansion was built in 1903 by Preston Boyd Moss. Uh, it was designed by Henry Janeway Hardenberg. Forgive me. 
who uh, actually was the original Waldorf Astoria and Plaza Hotels designer. So, yeah, pretty cool. Oh. That's And those are, like, really well-known hotels. So he built a mansion as yeah. well, and it's hmm. amazing. So uh, the mansion is very beautiful. At the time of the build, the average cost, like the national average cost, was $5,000. I'm going to describe the house to you, and I'd like you to tell me what you think it was, how much it was back then, okay? Mm-hmm. So it was three stories. It included a basement. There was an attached solarium, which is like uh, like a glass, not like not like a, like a green room or like a sunroom, but just like a kind of like wind, like a big windowed area from what I could tell by the pictures. Okay. Uh, there were 28 rooms in total. Walls had gold threading in the wallpaper, marble fireplaces. Um, and to this day, the home actually does still hold many of the family's heirlooms, furniture, quilts, toys, etc. So, Again, the national oh, wow. average was five thousand. Ooh, okay, Sarah. But if you had twenty-eight rooms, think of how many themes you could have for Christmas in that house. Happy holidays! Oh my God, everyone could be in a <laughs> Christmas movie. Oh, <gasps> <gasps> is it for sale? We'll get there, but no, ghost included. I don't care anymore. Oh, yeah. Boo. Think of the possibilities. Okay, so five thousand is the average. Two hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. To, ooh, I'll say 190. Okay, so it was $105,000. So still for that time, oh, I mean, okay. five was the national average. So that's, I mean, a ridiculous that's still kind of a amount. lot. Yeah, for 1903, <laughs> and like just like what you got, like that was including like the building of the home and like, yeah, so it's just, mm-hmm. that's just like the, ex- the, the shell and like the walls. Like, <laughs> what? It's not like what was in it. So, yeah. Whoa. Uh, yes. So I'll give you like a little bit of the family history here. So, uh, so the guy who designed or built it was Preston Boyd Moss. He goes by PB. Um, he is actually from Paris, Missouri. Uh, he married Martha or Maddie, um, like M A T T I E. They had six children. The oldest son, uh, Woodson Jackson Moss. We're going to go from oldest to youngest here. So Woodson Mm -hmm. Jackson Moss, Kula, K-U-L-A, Moss, Melville, Preston Boyd Jr., David, and Virginia. Uh, Virginia was the youngest, and she is sadly passed away uh, about, I think she's about five or six years old, from diphtheria. All Mm -hmm. of the other children... Mm -hmm. Uh, were older than 50 when they passed away. So, you know, obviously built this home in 1903, were married, started having kids. Majority of the children were in their, like, 70s and 80s, including their parents when they died. So I feel like that was really old for that time. I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. I didn't look in the, like, at, like age average. But, mm-hmm. um, like, the oldest child lived to be 79. And both PB, the builder of the home, and his wife, Maddie, uh, he was 83 and she was 87 when she passed away. That is super old. Like not yeah. like, but like well, now it's okay. like, oh, my grandma's a hundred. And you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. But like back then it's like, my parents are 66 and they're like, wow, still kicking, huh? Like what? 
Well, yeah, because that's why un- or not un- uh, retirement is not why it's set at like sixty five because they expected you to live to like sixty ish. Or is that a know. conspiracy? Uh, I just don't know. Oh, I don't sure, know. Sure, I agree with you. Yeah, mm. mm-hmm. It is what it is. It's crazy. That's it is still what it is. quite old. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so today the uh, mansion is basically a museum. Um, they have guided and self-guided tours. Um, according to TripAdvisor, both of those tours are wonderful, and there's like raving reviews about both. Um, you can go on either. I don't know during quarantine what the situation is, but I think there was someone who posted in TripAdvisor recently, and they still were able to do a tour. Um, and it, I did do some research, and it, I'm not sure if they still do, um, but normally in October they do spooky tours. One of them was like a 20s theme murder mystery party, which I'm just like, okay, like, let's yeah. go to Montana. Like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but by now, you guys are probably like, yo, where's the spook? I got it for you. So, <laughs> so thanks to an article uh, Billings on BillingsGazette.com, uh, we have our answers of the spook. So uh, it is said that even though old, there is so much, quote, home that the entire main floor, like you walk in and you just like feel the family, like you feel like it's a real home from back in like the 1900s. Um, you can like they w- the way they like laid it out. Um, you can just like they say, like you really just get this feeling of like uh, where they shared their meals, like the dining room tables all set up and you can just like from the history and like obviously when you're doing like a guided tour they tell you like in the in the home they hosted extravagant dinner parties they played music um, made cookies in the kitchen gathered around the christmas tree in the front room and did just about everything like a typical family would do um it it's they said they described it as it is very heartwarming but also chilling because you kind of feel like you're interrupting something almost like you walk in and you're like Oh, wow. You like feel it, but it's like, but they're not here. So it's like, Uh, and no one lives there. So it's just like kind of freaky. Um, yeah. So, uh, the home now, just like the first two floors are the quote museum. And then the upper level, um, is the like staff, like offices and stuff. So, um, just to like keep it going, Mm -hmm. um, of the initial Moss family, PB, Maddie, Virginia, and Melville, along with Maddie's parents, all died in the home. On the article, it did describe Melville was one of the, like, kindest people of the family. Um, so, so the story was some kids were ding-dong ditching, the, the like, the mansion. Like, where are you? Okay, cool. Like, you're so badass. But um, <laughs> they went to go ding-dong ditch, and, like, they made one of the kids go up, and he did it, but then he, like, got distracted. He, like, looked in the front window, and there was a beautiful cello, and the he didn't run away so melville came to the door and saw him looking at it and she was like do you want to come in and like see it and so she literally Aww. sat there and played the cello for him and like sh- yeah so just a very kind Aww. seemed to be a very kind person and i mentioned it earlier but virginia the youngest did die of diphtheria like i think again she was under six years old um mm-hmm. her mom maddie also did have diphtheria but survived it so um, just kind of, it was hard cause she was so young. Uh, that loss really hit the family hard. Um, it was described as Virginia was the bubbly outgoing youngest of the bunch, just like classic kid, um, you know, made everybody smile. So like losing her was very difficult on the family. Yeah. Uh, 
to I looked and looked and looked about like the specifics of the hauntings and of course I can relay everything I've read but the best way I can think to do that is to just read you the haunting section on the Billing Gazette article so bear with me while I go through this all right so here we go again billinggazette.com and this is on the Moss Mansion the haunting initially staff weren't to speak of the paranormal activity in the home It was believed to be bad publicity or subject to other reactions. It was just definitely kept to a minimum until recent years. Virginia is believed to be the most commonly heard, seen, and felt spirit in the mansion. Rosh, so that's someone that works for the mansion, along with Marlene McCabe, the event manager at Moss, approached the situation with a healthy, healthy dose of skepticism and add that the mansion is usually quiet. Still, both believe that they have had paranormal encounters. Recently, Rash heard voices conversing back and forth, as well as a young girl giggling. Sounds carry, this is a quote from Rash, sounds carry from the outside into the mansion, so we are always aware of that. But this was different. I checked outside, no one was there. But then I heard the voices again, and this time I knew they were coming from inside the house, and I was alone. Yeah, Rash set the security system before leaving that same evening. If someone were in the house, the alarm would go off when they tried to leave. The alarm was not triggered. In addition, McCabe was preparing to leave for the mansion uh, one night, and she heard a young girl call out, Daddy! The disembodied voice was shocking to McCabe. Again, no one was on the grounds, and the ghostly shout had definitely come from inside the mansion. The French parlor harbors the piano and the gold-plated harp, similar to Melville's original harp. She was very musically inclined. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were also in the room that hosted the Moss's family funerals or wakes. The energy in the parlor is vastly different from any other room on the main floor. It was the room that Melville may have loved the most. It was a blend of beauty, life, and death. Guests and staff have reported feeling or seeing playful Virginia peeking around the staircase of the Great Hall where her parents would host parties. Orbs, which are luminescent spheres seen by the human eye, have also been reported. Upstairs, the home takes on a completely different atmosphere. The grandparents' room, where George and... Oh, so sorry. Aintha? Anaintha? I'm so sorry. This is Maddie's, the woman of the... Or the wife of the home's parents... Um, It's spelled I-A-N-T-H-A. Pardon me. Uh, This is where they stayed. It is reported by visitors and staff that they feel heavy with grief. According to Rash, they love Virginia very much. She was undoubtedly the family favorite, and her untimely death was just very devastating to them. The master suite where PB and Maddie slept is connected to Virginia's room. It was reported by a groundskeeper. He entered the room, and the bed was orderly and everything as it should be. When he returned, he noticed the bed had appeared as though a small child had been jumping on it. Virginia's <laughs> yeah. Virginia's room includes the original carriage that each moss child was push in as, pushed in as an infant, as well as clothing and toys. The girls' room, which was shared by Kula and Melville, is a rose-colored room that Melville remained in until she became too ill and frail to manage the stairs. She did pass away downstairs. The nurse attending to Melville claimed that she saw Virginia's ghost standing by Melville of the moment of her death. The boys' room is charming and playful. It even displays a boat made by David with a half-titled manta 
on the hall in red fingernail polish he had stolen from his sister. The name, Montana, isn't finished because Maddie took the polish away from him, discovering what he had done. Yeah. The top floor is closed to the public. It served as the quarters for two Swedish maids and the, quote, ballroom. Not a ballroom for dancing, but a playroom for the children. On each side hangs a small hoop to play basketball and enough space for the children to run and play. The attic holds the most precious of all remnants throughout the mansion. Although the walls and beams of the eaves are um, are the names of the Moss children, written in chalk more than 100 years ago has somehow been preserved as if they were just done yesterday. The chalk written names are a fitting metaphor for the Moss mansion. Like the furniture, walls, bed, clothes, toys, hairbrushes, kitchen utensils, dinnerware, books, and every other treasure that the Moss, that the moss holds, the home echoes of the only family that has ever lived there. In many ways, they still do live there, captured in time like an internal photograph. In that way, the Moss Mansion is haunted, a giant memory of this incredible family filled with their emotions and perhaps even their spirits. And that is the Moss Mansion of Montana. So it's a happy haunting? Yeah, Sarah, you're frozen, so I <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I I couldn't get over the ballroom, like and the yeah. chalk. Oh uh-huh. my gosh. Yeah. So again, like going back to like when they mentioned like you just kind of feel like the hominess of it. It's mm-hmm. also like you're intruding in a way. So Oh Yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy happy haunting, maybe not, but just creep like just moments captured in time like just i don't know i get a very much like a non-spooky bly manor vibe okay makes sense kind of that's kind of how i felt when i read it so yeah i just wanted to give you a little dose back because i was mean to aaron and did haunted houses when she just bought a new house so yeah yeah that is the moss mansion of billings montana yeah thank you morgan wow you're welcome Mine's not quite as sweet. So, um, you guys ready? So we start off not strong. Morgan has a little filler, and now we're I mean, going it's downhill not, it's again. Not I got good. it. Cool. <laughs> I was just in this mindset of everyone's going to be around their families for the holidays, and I thought mm-hmm. I would give you all a really good topic that, when discussed, automatically lets everyone know. Don't ask me about my personal life. <laughs> Okay. So we're going to talk about psychopaths right. versus sociopaths. Oh my God. Sarah, hey. I literally, when you <laughs> called, Air, uh, what was, I'm so sorry, what was his name? Timothy? Mm-hmm. Kurt, Kurt. Yeah. When yeah, you Kreicher. called him a, a psychopath, I almost yeah. said, what's the difference between, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Oh my God. I'm so excited because I don't know. Ah, okay. Well, cool. keep that cool, in mind because cool. he is literally spot on. Like, yes. Well, okay. And I just thought about like sitting at a Christmas meal and your aunt's like, anything new with you? Do you have a boyfriend yet? And you can respond anyone listening. No, but I do have some fun facts about psychopaths and sociopaths. I learned from Sinister Sunrise podcast. Feel free to plug us. We don't mind. Go ahead. (laughs) Because guess what? She's not going to ask you anything else about your life after that. She's like, oh, is that all? Excuse me. (laughs) Pardon me. I I, I gotta go. (laughs) So really quick, my sources are WebMD, Psychology Today, 
Very Well Mind and an article, The Hidden Suffering of the Psychopath by Willem H.J. Martens. Wow. All right. Yes. Um, Before I dive in, I do want to explain that the term psychopath and sociopath are not quote unquote technical terms by psychologists. Instead, you would hear the term antisocial personality disorder, which I did lightly cover in a previous episode. So, and there are also some arguments that sociopaths aren't real. And while I am acknowledging that argument, that is a topic for another day. For today's purposes, they're very real. Okay. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So psychopaths and sociopaths are thought to have a lot of similar traits. And that's probably why they're both summed up under one diagnosis in the DSM. So a lot of things they have in common are they are both thought to have a poor inner sense of right and wrong. Okay. Like Aaron's person. They both have Mm -hmm. a tendency to disregard plans, promises, and agreements. They're kind of flighty because it's their world and we just live in it to sum it up. They will most likely be quick to anger, even over small things, and they will partake in mean, spiteful behaviors. And perhaps because of this, they are also usually in repeated fights or assaults, like Aaron's person. (laughs) (laughs) It's adding up. So they will make decisions in the spur of the moment with very little regard to consequences. Okay. That sounds like him. Yeah, it's adding up. It's adding up real quick. Actually, I'm glad you started, Erin, because now I can be like, which one do you... Th- well, I already said it. doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Never mind. So these types of people also participate in a lot of risk-taking behaviors. They will get easily bored, and in general, they will ignore other people's boundaries. And the biggest mm-hmm. traits of both of them is that they have this constant need to control people and relationships. So lying as a means to gain an upper hand, always an option. The example given on verywellmind.com is that they may say something like, they're a decorated war hero when in fact they have never served a day in their lives. And that will not bother them Mm -hmm. at all. Cool. Love it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Also, neither personality type can seem to understand someone else's feelings. So in general, they just seem fantastic to be around. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totes. Um, a common thought is that psychopaths are born and sociopaths are made. But in recent years, that has become increasingly untrue. So, mm. yes, psychopathy is usually something that is genetically linked. Um, not like mom has it, so baby has it. More of like a something doesn't quite develop in their brains in the area where you regulate emotion. So these people are still okay. mm-hmm. plenty smart, just like everyone else. It's just this one piece is not quite as I guess the same I don't know if it's developed or not as everyone else okay Mm -hmm. but a lot of psychopaths also have a history of unstable families and childhoods just like what you would stereotypically expect to see in a sociopath's past so the thought has shifted towards nurture being a larger factor than nature because you can be born with that smaller underdeveloped um piece in your brain but still kind of work through it i guess but mm, yeah mm-hmm. doesn't mean Learn you're like evil yes thank yeah. you yeah mm-hmm. so a psychopath is thought to have no conscious whatsoever while a sociopath has a very very small one so a psychopath will rob you blind walk away whistling a tune never think twice 
a sociopath may have a feeling of, eh, should I do it? Well, I'm going to. So no matter, let's just, let's just move on. Okay. Some key differences are a sociopath will behave a lot more hot-headed, impulsive, whereas a psychopath will be a little more calculated and cold. So they're both quick to anger, but the way they display it is different. A sociopath may have a hard time maintaining regular work and family life, but a psychopath will have no problem at all and in fact may see maintaining work and family as a necessity to continue their criminal activities. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah I'm a little smidgen. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a sociopath can form emotional attachments, probably not healthy ones, and they're going to be difficult, but they can form them. And a psychopath may love someone in their own way. And because of this, a lot of their relationships are shallow and fake. Because it's not quite the same as like being in love with someone. It's their version of it. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's deep, bro. Yes. <laughs> and it's it's easy to classify psychopaths as scary. But in the book, The Hidden Suffering of the Psychopath, it said that a lot of them at times, they do suffer from like emotional pain and loneliness. Like they have feelings. They just, they aren't quite the same. So they probably have had a hard life, and just like anyone else, they want to be loved and accepted. Mm. I had to put this in because the rest of it makes them sound like monsters, but they are complex personalities, I guess. Um, (laughs) Their behavior, it just makes it difficult. Like, they're in this weird cycle where they can't quite control their actions. This makes them sad, leads to isolations, and then leads to more terrible actions. So, sorry if you don't know the answer to this, but like... It sounds obviously there's some there are some clear differences between the two. Can mm. you have like I know you're like how you mentioned like they're kind of thinking like n- nurture is more important than nature. Is there like le- like varying degrees of like quote unquote severity of it? Possibly, I don't know, but I would think almost anything has to be on a spectrum of some kind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not everybody fits the mold anymore. So. Well, the mold they thought there was. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I do not know the actual answer mm-hmm. to that. Okay. Um, in both, you can see a lack of empathy, which is why they can be frightful or successful. They are very much the types of people who think of themselves first, second, and third. And to actually put themselves in a different person's shoes is nearly impossible. And I kind of tried to wow. think of something to equate it to. And I came up with, it's like trying to imagine the pain of childbirth if you've never done it. Like we know it's terrible, but I don't, I have no idea what that's going to feel like. Just like a psychopath may see all these movies, know that love is supposed to be this nice, warm feeling, but they never can actually feel it. That would be kind of sad. Because it like probably feels like it's so innate, but like it's not. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Which explains their loneliness and why they always put themselves first. Because that feeling of attachment, it's really hard to build. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. Yes. Terrible. Um, Despite what we see on TV, they are not always violent. It would make my segment way more metal, but no. (laughs) Um, They can be, but honestly, so can anyone else. So really what you're looking for is a lot of manipulation and reckless behavior out of someone who is a psychopath or a sociopath. And at the end of the day, they want things their way for their benefit and not much else matters. Okay. Yeah, which is, again, why they can be... (laughs) Well, like, for what we're looking at, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It explains why they can be the most feared killers, like Aaron's person. Mr. Mm -hmm. was a Kitcher. 
Kreicher. Kreicher. Mm-hmm. Or a CEO of a very successful business. A small glimmer of hope, um, kind of a one-off fact, but it's a good one, so I'm using it. In 2014, it was reported that one-third of sociopaths give up their antisocial behavior and develop well-adjusted relationships, like later in life. Oh, wow. It can be for any number of reasons. Um, That's kind of the late, well, I don't exactly know why. I don't think they do either, but over time, maybe something happens and they can start to build better connections, or maybe they just kind of learn to not be so aggressive. I'm not sure. But one-third of sociopaths, there is hope for you. That's a lot, honestly. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, yes. And I do just want to remember the dangers of labeling people. Just because someone is suffering with antisocial personality disorder does not make them any less human. Like kind of what we were saying with um, Aaron's guy, like it's six, you should not be arresting someone for theft. Like now you've already labeled him as being in the system. That's yeah. not exactly fair. So that is my bit on psychopaths and sociopaths they are very very similar with a key few differences um and honestly the more they are researched the more info we'll have but psychopaths only make up about one percent of the population and sociopaths are around the same the numbers vary a little bit but yeah it's also because there is that argument that sociopathy isn't real it should all be elements of psychopathy but that's topic for another day. So uh, be good to yourselves and others, especially around the holidays. And if you do bring up psychopaths and sociopaths, please write into Sinister Sunrise Podcast at gmail.com. We want to know what your family say. Yes. Yeah. What's the reaction? What's the general consensus of the reaction? Yes. Yes. Love to hear it. Um, so while you're there, if you have any dreams, scary stories, um, any true crime cases you're interested in that you'd want Aaron to research, send it to the same email at sinistersunrisepodcast at gmail.com. You can send it to our Instagram, any of the places that you go when you're supposed to be working. You can find (laughs) us at Sinister Sunrise Podcast or on TikTok at Sinister underscore Sunrise underscore podcast. Again, I don't know if I'm just too old, but I don't think they allowed us to have spaces. It could be that I was born in 93. We'll find out. It's fine. It's fine. We're good. We wanted to add some (laughs) flair that the underscore just gives our name. Yeah. Um, What else am I missing, guys? I don't know, Sarah. You like a little, uh, you look a little, you look a little warm in that sweater. You, you're, are you like, do I look damp? You look a little, you look a little wet. You look a little, uh, little, little, little sweaty. Well, uh, no, I wish I had an antiperspirant. That would help with that. <gasps> well, let me tell you about Zero Sweat. It is a you great antiperspirant. One? I have one. It's called wow. Zero Sweat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. You roll it on Ooh. your pits at night. You go to sleep. You wake up. No more sweat. For someone like me who was <gasps> like, I don't know, like in a stressful situation, sure, people sweat. I was just standing outside and I'd be like, oh, no, the sweat. So whether it be nervous sweat, uh, the weather's changing, or you're just a a little sweaty person, if you head over to zerosweat.com and at checkout use the code SINISTER, you will get 20% off of a $15 purchase or more. Um, It's a clinical strength antiperspirant. So obviously, like, it's going to do its job. You'll be able to use that code if you order the roll-on. Um, I do believe they make other products as well. The roll-on is just what I have used personally. It is mm-hmm. great, 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 great. Can't rave about it enough. Uh, yeah, again, zerosweat.com, code sinister at checkout. 
So yeah, the holidays are coming up. You still have, what, a few weeks, a few more days left. Go and check out our friend um, TP. He makes very cool, very different art. So if there's someone, you know, special in your life and you want to look up his artwork, check out um, TP's website. It is MeltyFace.com. And if you purchase anything, use the code SinisterSisters at checkout to get free shipping on all orders. And if you do get anything, let us know. He has fantastic artwork. He does tattoos, everything. Definitely check him out. Um, You can find him on Instagram as well. And then while you're at it, you can also go online, rate and review us on um, Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find our podcast and it really helps us out. But besides that, anything else, guys? No, that's it, man. That's business. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Thank everyone. It's the holiday season. The holiday oh! season. Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>